Watch it again in slow motion. Maybe you don't want to broil eggs this way. Brand X, brand Y, brand Z. Get with it, kids! Hi, I'm Christian. Hi, I'm Enoch. Let's start with like how you came into advertising in the first place. Yeah. I originally started in film. So um, I was always in love with film. I always thought I'd be a scriptwriter, a screenwriter. Um, but I got into the film program here and there's a lot more theory than I thought it would be, a less hands-on approach to learning film. And so I, I heard about the ad lab. I kind of just like discovered it online, looking through all the majors and mm -hmm. I noticed it and I checked out the ad labs website, which was really cool. And I think I, I saw this opportunity not only to make really good production value of things, but also get my hands on um, print, social, digital, a bunch of different creative mediums uh -huh. that I wanted to. And so I applied to the advertising program. Because that, did you feel like film was like pigeonholing you into like one medium? Yeah, and it was, you know, most of the time I'm spending my time writing papers about films. And, and theory is important, right? It's good to know those things. But I wanted more hands-on to create and kind of take my more, more initiative. It kind of felt like there were a lot more hoops and ladders mm -hmm. in that program to try to get something actually produced. So why did you choose copywriting? Yeah, so... I, when I first got into the program, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in the creative track. Mm -hmm. I thought of content creator, right? But then I started to realize, you know, like I don't have all this experience with a red camera. I don't have all this stabilizer, or like all this equipment that seemed kind of intimidating. And so I, I thought about writing. I took a creative writing class before I applied to the creative track and I really enjoyed it. And it felt like the most natural to me. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, I realized I'd actually done quite a bit of writing. English was always my best major, mm -hmm. and it felt like a natural fit. And so I started copywriting um, in 3.30 as a copywriter working on projects, and I liked it even more. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it felt like the right fit. I think the, the main focus is I'm a copywriter, which I hate that name, by the way. Oh, yeah? I feel like art director is such a cool name. Like art director, and I'm like a copywriter. It sounds like I'm a copycat, or like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like not as good as a director, right? Like yeah. even if I was like a narrative designer, or even like something <laughs> like that, like that sounds so much cooler. Because yeah. I tell people I'm a copywriter, and they're like, oh, so you like do grammar or laws or like copyright trademark things? Yeah. Like no, no, it's a creative writer. Uh huh. They should change the title. I think that would empower a lot of people. Yeah. And I think more than anything, it's like I'm a creative who comes up with ideas mm -hmm. first most, right? Like, yes, you need to be able to write as a copywriter, but you're going to be hired for your ideas. Mm -hmm. You're just coming up with ideas. Yeah. Um, you should be able to spell, but it's <laughs> not It's not like you need to be like an editor at a newspaper, like that level yeah. of expertise. So before I, like, talk to you, for the first time, a couple people actually told me that you were one of the best copywriters in the lab. And they said it's because of the process that you have. 
and they couldn't describe the process that you have to me, but I was wondering if that like resonated with you as like being uh, true. That's a huge honor. I don't know who you're asking. <laughs> um, my process is basically a process of endurance. <laughs> uh-huh. It's 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 kind of like a numbers game with me. Um, when I first get a brief or a challenge, I'm always going to first ask myself why. I think strategists and account people to do a great job of creating a brief and the problem, but there's always way more that you can dive into as a creative. It's not just our job to like take the brief and go. It's to take our brief, look at it backwards, sideways, flip it upside down, see through it, and then go. Mm-hmm. So I really try to dissect the brief as much as I can. So I'll come up with a list of whys. Okay, why? Let's, let's use an example. Heinz ketchup, right? Why Why is Heinz sales going down? Let's say that's the brief. Sales are down. We need to increase sales. Okay, why? Okay. Is it because more organic ketchup is getting more popular? Has Heinz had a bad name in the media? Is it too much effort to, like, squeeze ketchup out of a bottle? Like, there's different things you can think of. Ask all of those whys. Once you've come up with those whys, now I always have to find a human truth, right? Mm-hmm. If it's because... Um, Heinz seems outdated. Okay, the human. There's got to be some human truth to that that guy can relate to people. Mm-hmm. So then I make a list of human truths, and I, I don't put like a set number on it. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest part about creating is like, oh, that feels right, and then keep exploring that. So after I come with that, I'll make prepositions. As a writer, I feel the tagline is the center of gravity for a campaign, mm-hmm. and once you get that tagline, everything else can fall under it. Mm-hmm. But I write prepositions. So I write full sentences, write short paragraphs if you have to. Get, like, your thoughts out, written, and then break it down. Like, mm-hmm. try to simpl- uh, simplify what you're really trying to say as much as you can. And sometimes it takes multiple paragraphs of, like, what you're trying to do. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we are trying to sell something. But when you add in a human truth, it makes it feel like you can add a story. You can add a narrative. You can make people remember something in their life. Mm-hmm. So once you're in those paragraphs, once you get the tagline, then I'll usually kind of meet with my art director at that time. And a little before that, I'll, I'll start thinking of like some comps. I like to think of like print first. Mm-hmm. See, like if I can get the idea across in three to six seconds, like that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. It needs to be simple. The line needs to like, oh, I get it really fast. And then I'll meet with my partner and we'll throw away most of what I've done. <laughs> and kind of start over from there together because you always want to get other opinions as much as you can and that process just kind of repeats you know like the the research part the whys and the human truths might not change too much but like the prepositions and what you're trying to change will and if you want to get really specific I make like I get my google doc and I make a chart and I'll do two tables this one table it's I'm trying to come up with like a really good tagline. I'll write down all the verbs that I'm like trying to say. So like recently I was working on a thing uh, for fun for North Face, uh-huh. right? It's one of the one show briefs. Mm-hmm. And so I literally wrote down all the verbs, ascend, climb, reach, um, charter, mm-hmm. right? Like and I make a huge list of verbs uh-huh. and I'm trying to like match. And then I'll study the brief and take out keywords from the brief that fit the brand and I'm trying to like it's almost like a puzzle and I'm trying to see like what matches what we're trying to say mm-hmm. and our eventual line that we came up with was the next ascent uh-huh. and it's this idea about women 
right, are kind of like the other half uh-huh. of the picture and that it's their time to rise. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a process. So the visual I see when you, like, explain this, because I'm an art director, I, like, just, like, see pictures instead of words, I yeah. guess is, like, how you differentiate those. But, like, a lot of people say, like, think outside the box. But with you, it's, like, it's, like see through the box like make like study the box so much that it's transparent so you can see what's necessary but you can also see where you can go outside of the box because just leaving the box doesn't make a good campaign it's like being able to know like exactly what is pertinent with the brand and then where that brand could like go after that and which i think is funny because i look back at my experience working with other people and I just feel like stupid looking at those experiences because we wrote the brand name on a whiteboard and immediately tried to start coming up with like print ideas. Mm. And it was like, what visuals do we have? And then we make like 50 of them and none of them work because we have no idea why they would work, you know, because we don't know. We, we, we're just trying to like think outside the box instead of actually understanding like the brand before we get started. Yeah, totally. I think... You know, if everyone always says, think outside the box, maybe you should stay inside the box. <laughs> right? Like, people say, he's like. But I, yeah, I agree with what you said. Like, you got to kind of look through and think transparent. And it's easy to think of like some fast, shiny idea. Like, oh, this would be so cool if we did this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then before you know it, like, you're already moving towards that idea mm-hmm. without giving yourself um, enough time to really observe like other options and mm-hmm. and where you could take this idea mm-hmm. even if i get to an idea and i feel really good about it my partner feels really good about it like we still have to force ourselves to question it mm-hmm. always have to be critical of of your work even feel good about it never rush decision like i like if you have the time to kind of sleep on it after you've done all your work mm-hmm. you can and then see how you feel about it tomorrow like if it doesn't feel as right you know maybe you need to keep pushing it mm-hmm. because i think like when i get excited about idea or I'm exhausted I'll just be like yeah that, that sounds good let's just do that mm-hmm. and you can overthink it sometimes if you don't take a break yeah that's another thing I want to say too it's always work on multiple projects if you can mm-hmm. I always thought coming in that like oh if I work on one project I can just put all my energy into it mm-hmm. it'll be the best thing ever but it's like a huge daunting task to do that if you take on like one campaign that feels kind of like tackling a rhino because it's all you're focused on. There's a lot more mm-hmm. pressure. But when you have multiple projects, it's like if you need a break, oh, I can bounce over here, come over here. It's like playing badminton. Yeah. yeah. It's back and forth. Uh-huh. And your brain's not like fatigued from like just one brand at a time. Yeah. Like you can like bounce around and like think yeah. about different brands. And your subconscious goes, well, like if I'm working on a different brand, my subconscious will still be thinking about that other brand as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. So... What is your, like, team process? Because you have, like, your personal creative process, but I assume with every project you have, like, probably one to two meetings a week for each brand. Um, But do you start, before you meet with your group for the first time, how much of your process do you do before that first meeting, and then how much do you do in between every meetings? And, like, during the meeting, too. You know, how much work is done in between meetings and during a meeting? Yeah, let's say, like, if we start a project where we get a brief on Monday, um, I'd like to get all of my own personal, like, brainstorming done that same day, um, if not the next day. And then let's say we meet on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. 
it's like meetings are always better when you come prepared mm-hmm. with like as many ideas as you can. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like that doesn't happen all the time, especially in school. Yeah. It's hard to manage that time. I think I've done this so many times. Like you meet as a group and then you're like, all right, what should we do? <laughs> and it's like, yes, you can brainstorm as a group, but yeah. if you don't come prepared with some ideas, it, it almost feels like a waste of time to me. Yeah. Like you need that individual time to really brainstorm and, and bring it to the table. So I'd probably spend like, say if you have a week, um, a day to work on your own, next day meet as a group, um, possibly like that same day do some edits, rethinking that same night, meet the next day. Um, it kind of depends on your schedule of like if you're planning on going into production, mm-hmm. like how fast you can move then or if they're prints or things like that. But the whole ideation process, it can be done in like less than a week if you wanted it to. Yeah. Like I know like in a professional setting, sometimes you might get a brief on Thursday or Friday and expect to present like ideas next Tuesday. Yeah. You know, I think in our setting in school, though, it's totally appropriate like two weeks mm-hmm. to formulate. If you're really taking the time, obviously it can take longer, but if you really, I think you can come up with a really, really solid idea mm-hmm. and be ready for production or producing something in like two weeks. Yeah. So the nitty gritty in art direction is like getting down with the illustrator and just like spending hours making different mood boards and themes. What's like the nitty gritty for copywriters? The nitty gritty... How do you like hone your word craft? I study phrases a lot. Hmm. So like I'll research just common phrases in like the English dictionary or like things that are common because phrases are things that people identify with really fast. Mm-hmm. And you can create a line based around a phrase or a common um, saying without being punny. Right? Yeah. Like the, the, the last thing I want to do is create a pun. I think a pun is like at the bottom of like... <laughs> the skill level of of copywriting Uh like it's the easiest to do but if you can create like an idea or around a phrase it's it's very recognizable Mm -hmm. um it's amazing like how i think a good copywriter also studies how people talk regularly so studying dialogue and film i love dialogue and film like i have a whole list of my favorite dialogue films yeah um because it's really hard to do that. Uh-huh. So especially if you're writing commercials or scripts, you want to be able to write in the voice of the audience yeah. so that they understand. Like one of the greatest examples, right, is Budweiser. Mm-hmm. Like, what's up? Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not that hard of, like, writing, right? But it's mm-hmm. so, like, it reaches people. They're like, oh, yeah, I totally talk like that. Yeah, it takes, like, a ton of insight to know. Yeah. That that's, like, going to resonate with people. Yeah. Sometimes my favorite lines or ideas for headlines have come talking in my group and someone says out something out loud. Like, I'm always writing what people are saying or little phrases here and there while we're talking. Yeah. There's some gems that can, like, your art director could say just by accident. Yeah. Just talking out loud mm-hmm. really helps. That's interesting. I didn't even think about, like, paying attention to the group conversation. But one of the ones that, like, blows my mind the most, actually, is Dilly Dilly. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, like, read articles about that. And, like with interviews with the copywriter and like how he came up with that and why it's so successful and like not even he 100% knew that it was going to be successful but he didn't know enough to push it through all the meetings and say this is what we have to do and it like it was like the best like campaign for them 
yeah, I think a lot of like deciding what works is in your gut. Yeah. And then trying to figure out, oh, this feels right. And I think you have the privilege to say that when you have experience. Yeah. I don't think like any of us <laughs> as students or juniors can go in there and say like, oh, I know this is going to work. Yeah. Like we just don't have the experience or criteria to meet that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes some creatives, if, if they have the experience, just know when they see a big idea. But advertising is a very subjective, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to award shows. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's subjective, so you can't, like, um, judge yourself based off of, like, you, you're winning all the awards, you're getting all the attention you want. Mm-hmm. Strive for those things, but just know, like, don't take it personally. It's just like the arts. Yeah. You know, like, take critique, take it the right way, and, and build off of it. Speaking of award shows, you have a couple awards from some of your pieces. Do you want to talk about those? Um, yeah, so... We're actually in a big award cycle right now. We're waiting. Um, I recently got Most Promising Multicultural Student Award, mm-hmm. um, which was a great honor. They only yeah. select um, 50 students in the whole country. Dang. And so, yeah, I got to send in my portfolio and got the chance to go to New York. They flew me out, got mm-hmm. to stay in a hotel there. Um, had really great training about just kind of how to, like, Find your voice, which is really important as a creative. Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty of junior creatives out there, but what helps you stand out is your voice, passion projects, things like that. Mm-hmm. We got even got a special training from the performance trainer of Lil Nas X. Yeah. <laughs> which was yeah. cool. And so, yeah, I think I never make any type of work to try to win an award. Like, that should never be mm-hmm. the first goal. It will help you get a raise in a profession, of course, or a promotion, <laughs> I'll be honest. But yeah. Um, like I just got off the phone with some people from RGA and they're saying like, yeah, awards are great for promotions, but never the purpose of like making an ad. Uh-huh. So as like a, like multicultural student, how does that like change your perspective on advertising? Oh yeah. Um, so I come from immigrant parent and also living abroad is like, I feel like brought me new perspectives and insights to the future of advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, like I noticed little things that some people might not notice. Like if you look at car commercials now, there's more women driving the car, hmm. right? Super small thing, but like it's, it's, it matters, right? It is a representation. Obviously I think there's more diversity of, of actors chosen mm-hmm. in commercials and film. And I think it's just important that in a country that's diversifying and, and the Latino market, for example, is growing. Mm-hmm. If you're able to reach that market, like you can help your clients so much more. Mm-hmm. Like the market's changing. And so as advertisers, we've got to be able to represent and reach those markets in an authentic, genuine way. Mm-hmm. Do you you have some awareness pieces like um, the LA Times, um, which was also like a big production because I think it went through like three different groups or something like that like there there were a lot of people in the project there were a lot of moving parts what was it like to go from start to finish with that project yeah so we started uh we're close with connor dean producer here Uh and he found this article about scott warren Mm -hmm. a man arrested for illegally harboring harboring immigrants gave them some shelter and water and it brought up this whole moral debate of what's right or wrong Mm -hmm. You know, and so we thought we didn't know if like, oh, should we do like a documentary piece on this guy? Could we do a narrative piece? 
And we decided on narrative and, and we thought the brand Los Angeles Times would be perfect as a journalism. It reflects society. Mm-hmm. And so we started writing. I The timeline, I started writing probably like last March, mm-hmm. close to the end of the semester. I was planning on going to study abroad. So I went on the study abroad in Europe. And while I was there, you know, I'd stay up late at night and like re-edit the script. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just have to find the time to do that, even if you're halfway across other country and I try to make phone calls and we have like an eight hour time change but you try to make as much edits as you can which was nice because then I got back in August before school started Mm -hmm. and we filmed in August like Connor stayed here and so did Cam Tribe and art director and they helped you know figure out some of the logistics Mm -hmm. while I was editing the script and then we filmed in August before school even started so we got out of the way Uh and all that was left was editing and it was amazing like to be able to write that Peace. Also, shout out to to Quinn Frainer, the strategist who uh-huh. like helped us make sure what we were saying was appropriate and like meant to be said. Um, like me myself, so I served a mission in Guatemala, mm-hmm. and I really I, I remember meeting women that were pregnant and trying to cross the border illegally. Mm-hmm. And so when I wrote these characters, like I really envisioned people I knew, mm-hmm. and I tried to bring that into my writing. Mm-hmm. And so it was a great piece, and I'm really happy. The best feeling as a copywriter is like when you write something and you see it come to life mm-hmm. and it's how you envision. Yeah. That's the most gratifying feeling ever. Mm-hmm. So it took time. That's like from March to August, finished editing like in December. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, like that's a good almost a year. That's almost a year. That's like nine months. Obviously yeah. we weren't working on it every day. Uh-huh. Like there were breaks in between. Yeah. But if you can plan earlier, of course, I think the bigger the production you can do. Yeah. That's what I've seen too with like the bigger the production, the longer the ideation. Like you yeah. have like a lot of projects that just barely got finished in time for recru- recruiting fair and everything. Those took mm-hmm. those started a year ago, even sometimes like a year and a half ago with ideation yeah. and then developed into something in time. A huge deal too was we were very um, involved as well getting feedback from Jeff, mm-hmm. Jeff Sheets. Um, because it's, it was the type of project you wanted to apply to a grant for, and obviously you need a mentor for the grant. Mm-hmm. But more than anything, like, Jeff really helped us make sure the line was right. We received feedback going to different agency visits. We got a chance to get portfolio reviews, and we'd show them edits. Uh-huh. And they'd let us know, oh, yeah, I think you changed this thing, change that. Uh-huh. So I also, like, before the, f- the final piece, we probably got reviews from, like, almost 20 professional creatives yeah. as well. Just, like, looking at it and giving us their thoughts. Yeah. On that subject, I want to talk about, like, ego and being creative. Because uh-huh. hardly ever is there a really good project and a single person behind it. Mm, yeah. There's, like, the greater the project is, like, the more credit is dispersed among, like, a lot of different people. Yeah, totally. Um, so as you, like, work on a project, is it, I mean, it's, like, scary to show your idea to people, of course. But does that, like, what motivates you as you, like, share to, like, make it better? I think one idea I had was for Ancestry. And this is kind of like a personal mm-hmm. project where mm-hmm. we basically create um, custom original family crests for multicultural families. Yeah. So, like, mixed race families. And it first started as me as, like, something, because I'm, I'm mixed race and I thought this would be so cool mm-hmm. to do but I knew I couldn't do it alone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I reached out to other people who could help like design the crest, design a website, 
animate a website, produce a piece. We actually interviewed real couples and, and got their thoughts about it and gave them real crests. And like, I can still feel good, like knowing that like, that was kind of like a personal project for me, but none of it would have happened without the people that helped me. Uh-huh. None of my book, my portfolio would be around without the people that I worked with. Like yeah. it's a shared success for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful for everyone that's helped out. And I think, um, nothing you do in advertising is ever going to be like alone. Mm-hmm. So it's all about collaboration. Did it look the way that like you originally thought it was going to look when you first had the idea? I think it looked better. Uh-huh. Definitely. Okay. Like, especially the producing and the production, we rented out some space in the what's it called? startup building uh-huh. and made it really look nice. Like Connor and Taylor, like helped light it. It looked mm-hmm. super professional. Like I know I would not be able to make the work I could without like Connor Dean, right. Uh-huh. And his experience on set and his producing and like mm-hmm. his eye for professionalism mm-hmm. or Mikey Brady and Cam tribe or Tiana with like their work ethic and mm-hmm. their, their eye for the craft, you know? Yeah. And they help you make you better. You always, like, if you're looking for partnerships or groups, go to people that push you, that question you. Uh-huh. If it's, like, if you agree on everything mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, let's do it. Like, it's probably not the right fit. Like, you want to be pushed enough. <laughs> like, you want to get along with the person, but you should be pushed to yeah. do more. So. Were you at the thing with Paul Myers last night? Yeah. I think that that was, like, at least my number one takeaway from him is he said, I found an FX person who ask questions that I've never heard people ask before. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people would be like frustrated with that. But at the same time, he said it, it pushed them far enough that they did, they, they made things a lot better than he first imagined them to be because his FX guy was pushing him to like make it a lot better than the bar that he was setting. Yeah. It's, it's like he, the rule, right? Like you should never be the smartest person in a room. Yeah. Right. It's the same with advertising or groups. Mm-hmm. And I think um, what's great is there's something to learn from everyone as a student. Mm-hmm. Like we all really don't know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> but coming in and just being open-minded and working hard and, and wanting to learn from others mm-hmm. is great. Um, also, don't be like too intimidated if you don't feel like you, you're the most talented like, I think a work ethic will always beat talent if it doesn't work hard. Hmm. Um, even creatively. I know people think, like, oh, he's just a natural born creative. Mm-hmm. Um, creativity can be worked on. It can be built, right? It, yeah. it, it's a muscle. It, mm-hmm. it just takes practice and practice and time. And, yeah, some people might pick it up faster than others. Um, mm-hmm. It's not too much the craft that's going to be important in your career, though. It's going to be the taste. Uh-huh. Develop the taste. Um because some people do not have taste. <laughs> I just got to say how it is. Um, and I think school is supposed to help with that. But also, like, keep an eye out, too, for the type of taste or the type of work you see your classmates making. Uh-huh. I tend to like more emotional, dramatic pieces, mm-hmm. impactful pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I like to work with people who like to do the same thing. Other people might like to do comedy, right, which is great. Yeah. And in more humorous things, which is great. I know that's, like, not one of my strengths. Yeah. I, um, and I need to work on that. Uh-huh. Um, but find people that, like, make things you want to do. Because at the end of the day, when recruiters look at your book, you want to make sure you show what you like to do because they're going to put you on a team that does similar work. Yeah. Yeah. So there are, like, different, 
like people find their taste in different ways too. Mm-hmm. I'm like a super formulaic person, which like trips me up sometimes. I think in creativity, because creativity isn't formulaic, and I just want to like take the other art directors and shake them and say like, "How do I get good?" You know, and like they can't really tell me how to get good because it's like a path that you have to take on your own. Like just following what you like and like doing that even when other people like think it might be weird or something. But I think it's cool when I was looking at your book, you found a lot of inspiration from your background as a multicultural student. And I wanted to talk about um, the the painting, the mural project that you had Mm. actually. Because I thought that was really brave to just say we're going to paint a mural in downtown Provo I'm like that's going to happen yeah I think um, yeah we decided to paint a mural a 30 foot mural in 32 degree weather so I I wouldn't like (laughs) advise anyone to do that because I'm not going to do that again yeah but it was one of those things like as a creative like you've I always have to be creating something Mm -hmm. especially outside of advertising Advertising is great. It can change culture. It's persuasive communication. But like as a creative to feel satisfied, to feel fulfillment, mm-hmm. you got to do more. Um, so I talked to Teano and I, my buddy. He's half Samoan. I'm half Tongan. And we kind of wanted to leave our mark on Provo. And we had this idea, what if we painted a cool mural? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so last semester, our busiest semester as seniors, like so much is going on. We're like, yeah. Let's, like, during the day, we'll, like, go in between classes and go paint a mural. And so we did. And I I didn't know the process, so I called the city, and I was like, can I, like, paint on a wall? And they're like, oh, yeah, just, like, get the permission from the owner of the building, and you can paint whatever. And so luckily there's a guy um, who works for Provo. It's called Downtown Provo. It, like— actually helps people find places to paint murals. And he knew of a place near Get Out Games that the owner was looking for a mural. But we still had to go there and, like, pitch the design. Mm -hmm. But he was super down and super cool and open. And so we had never done it before, but he, like, trusted us. (laughs) He was like, so, yeah, you guys, like, done lots of murals? "Uh, No. And he was like, pauses, like, cool, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Just going to paint on this huge wall. And so we, like, figured out how to get the supplies, and it kind of took, like, two and a half weeks because of weather and just, like, not much time to do it. Mm-hmm. And then we had, like, the whole, like, a lot of people from the Outback come. You came, which is great. Appreciate the help. The yes, appreciate the help. Um, and it came together and, and got in the newspaper, mm-hmm. which is really great. And it was just something I wanted to – the Polynesian culture here in Utah is big. And I just wanted to increase the representation in the city. Yeah. And so we did it. Yeah. I, cool. I I will say if any advice, like passion projects are so important, going through the recruiting process right now, like people talk about your work and that will make you, that makes them want to talk to you. But then when they really want to get to know you, it's through those passion projects. Mm-hmm. And make sure your passion project isn't just an interest project. Uh-huh. It's easy to like, oh, I, I love... Um, like this TV show, right? Like I love Marvel or I love Harry Potter mm-hmm. and it's like, that's cool. And like, I'm going to make a bunch of like stickers about them and that's cool. Like that's really cool. But I think if you can dig deeper, 
and something like that has to do with your identity. Like mm -hmm. you identify with this thing and you made this thing. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more special than just like my interests. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, again, visually, I think of a plant and like your, your passion is like how deep the roots get. Mm. And yours are like really deep. Like that's like a part of your, you know, like who you are, like to the core. And that's like what we can see from the mural, like directly. And so I think it'd be easy for a recruiter to talk to you for a long time about that because that's something that really means something to you. But yeah. if it's like what you said, like someone's making stickers for a TV show, that, that's like a five minute conversation with someone. Yeah. And so it's like as deep as the roots get in like your passion, your personal passion is as like big as the plant grows and like how interesting that like yeah. passion actually is. Yeah. I mean, you can take those interests and do something really special with it, but like, Maybe you write your own novel about a wizard, right? <laughs> like, take it to something so you yeah. that it just doesn't feel like, oh, well, millions of people like Harry Potter, right? Yeah. Like, it's got to be solely something, like, that you can do or you can represent. And then it makes interviews the best because I hate talking about myself, but when I'm talking about something I'm passionate about, it's really easy to talk about. Yeah, that's cool. You have another passion project. Yeah. Um, for your dad. Yeah, yeah. So my dad's uh, been in prison for about over 12 years now. Mm -hmm. And I've always been amazed he's never said a single complaint. That's crazy. And I've always wondered, like, how does he find happiness on a day-to-day -day basis? And he has some friends there. And so I wrote them a letter asking, how do you find happiness? And they responded. And I got these amazing letters. And I wanted to do something with these because they're so powerful. Mm -hmm. And so I compiled them into a book called The Prison Epistles. And they, they talk about things from finding religion, fixing their health, mental health especially. One sad story, a guy, like he didn't get the medication he needed until he actually got to prison to help him with his mental health. And it makes you wonder, oh, if he would have had that medication before, he might not be there. Yeah. Right? And so it's, it's amazing. It's very personal. Um, there's guys like named Uncle Smooth. It's very authentic and B Rad is Brad, but he goes by B Rad. You know, and it's just like these guys are so genuine and authentic. And mm -hmm. I literally just took their letters, scanned it, put it in the book, and then um, typed out the letters as well because it's handwritten, so it's kind of hard to read. Mm -hmm. And then just compiled it together. Yeah. And it was an amazing project, and it's something that I didn't do just to have a passion project, you know? I did it because I wanted to, and I think it was great yeah, to learn I from. Some of the, I read a couple of letters, and it was cool how personal it was to them, too. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a really personal thing because your dad's been incarcerated yeah. for a long time. But also for the guys who have been incarcerated, they are, they know that you are their audience. Mm -hmm. And the letter is, like, very um, aware of that. It's like, mm -hmm. he, one of them says, like, young man, like, yeah. this is real advice. Like, what I wrote down is very purposeful. And I just thought that was really powerful. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And they're people I've never met, you know? Like, I, I've met, like, some of them, and I've written some of the other ones, but a lot of these, these guys I've never met, and mm -hmm. they're just so vulnerable and open up, you know? Mm -hmm. They're just happy to have someone to talk to. Yeah. So if I can raise awareness about other people's lives or perspectives, I feel a lot of fulfillment. You know, that's I want to do that my whole career, and I think, like, as I have more resources, obviously, and move on my career, I can do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And it's all about just taking the initiative, Mm -hmm. No one's going to, no one told me to do this. Actually, I don't think any of the projects in my portfolio were like a class project or an assignment. Yeah. All of them I just like wanted to create with someone 
mm-hmm. on my own initiative. And I, I think the best, I think the best work is like the stuff outside of class. Yeah. I think that's what sets this program apart from like other departments in the school is because well, essentially you're getting a job because of like your passion and everything you're doing outside of class. Mm-hmm. And your classes have like facilitated that um, and like, and kind of like been the jump start. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like you're getting a job because you earned the job in your like yeah. out of class time. Like yeah. your in class time is not what's earning you a job. That's just helping you get to the position to like get a job. Yeah. And that's the advice. Like anyone coming in the ad lab, if you really want to make a difference and, and stand out, it's just like, taking out the time outside of class, outside of what's expected of you. And it's the same in the agency world too. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you're going to be able to do what you're told, right? Yeah. You can check the boxes really easily and just get by. Uh-huh. But if you decide to do more and go out and reach out and it's uncomfortable at times and it's, it's a lot of time and effort on your brain, do so. I'm not going to tell anyone to quit their job, but it's very well <laughs> suggested. And I had to make that decision. I'm married, right? Uh-huh. Like it's, it's a, I get it. It's a hard financial decision to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it was an investment. Mm-hmm. I chose to invest my time in this program, in the ideas, in the people around me. And it's paying off, you yeah. know? And so it's, it's worth it. So from what I understand, your experience from the recruiting fair and getting a job has been, like, really successful for you. Like, it's been great, yeah. It's been a really good experience for you. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about like, like the recruiting fair and then also like conversations with recruiters and, and like getting a job and like what's appropriate, what's like not good, what's good? Yeah, I went into Sundance not knowing what to expect and honestly just like being happy like, man, I just want to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Like all I need is like one chance, right? Just one door opened and like I'll take advantage of it. Um, it was amazing. I talked to so many people and... Um, it's hard to like give advice on this because it is different for every single person. Mm-hmm. My experience was like I I started talking to recruiters, reaching out to me like the next day, you know, and 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 calling me, and I think the next week, um, some more started contacting, and you always want to keep all of your options open. Mm-hmm. Never say no to anyone, even if you don't feel like you'll never go to that place, mm-hmm. right? If it's Texas, Kansas City, Chicago, Illinois, Minnesota, like honestly, every opportunity is an amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. So listen to everyone, talk to everyone as, as much as you can, take the phone calls with whoever, and then like I'd say the next following week, like send out thank you letters to people you talk to, like, hey, thanks for taking the time to talk. I'd love to learn more about your opportunities there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of feel things out. I think things like will kind of take care of themselves if they're interested in you. Um, it's, it's going to be really early in the year. So like usually like to come to a recruiting fair in January, most hires, or at least when they know new juniors are coming in is like May, June. Uh-huh. So a lot of these agencies don't even know exactly like what you'd be working on. Mm-hmm. Cause the process is, it's a lot like dating. And it's kind of awkward, but, like, the recruiter is, like, the first person, like, hey, I like your agency. Do you like me? Okay, cool. Yeah, maybe this is a thing. I don't know. But then the real test is whenever you're dating someone, you got to impress the parents. And who's the parents? The creative directors. 
recruiters bring a list of students to the creative directors. It's the creative directors, or sometimes the CCO, uh-huh. who decides, yeah, I want you to join the team. And so really it's all about like there's a waiting period of when creative directors are looking over books. Uh-huh. And then the, the recruiter will reach back out to me like, hey, yeah, we're interested. Let's set up a call uh-huh. with the creative director uh-huh. so they get to know you. And as a creative, I mean, I, don't, I really don't know how the accounts are. I know it's different, this process. But the creative is when you have a call, that's a really good sign. That uh-huh. means like they like your book and they want to talk to you. Now they're mostly just making sure – Right? Like you're a normal person, you're nice, you don't have an ego, right? You'd be a great hard worker, those type of things. And then they, and then if they really like you and they move forward, you know, an offer might be on the table. Mm-hmm. Partnerships can be tricky to you. Like some people will go into Sundance with a set partner. Mm-hmm. Others say like, well, I'm pretty open. I, I have like these three people that I love working with, mm-hmm. but I don't have like a set person. That was me. I didn't say I had like mm-hmm. a set person. Yeah. And there's pros and cons to both. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, like, the recruiters will ask you to, like, oh, um, do you, like, have a preference of who you work with? Mm-hmm. And so just, I like, don't even worry about Sundance. Like, don't even focus on that. Seriously, just focus on the work. It's all about the work. Like, the work yeah. will take care of itself. Like, if it's good enough, people will notice it and share it with their creative directors. Yeah. That's good advice. So I think, uh, like, myself, when I went to the recruiting fair, I wasn't looking to, like, get a job. Mm-hmm. But I was still, like, very self-conscious of, like, what do I look like? How do I act? Like, what am I saying, you know? Like, what do I say that's yeah. right? And I, that's, like, a good point. Like, you should have already said what you're going to say in your book. Like, it's about the work. Yeah, especially as a creative. Your work really sells you. Uh-huh. Like, they, that's what they're looking for the most. Is there a piece that's, like, your favorite that you worked on in your book? Oh, this is another okay. This is a, this brings up a good point too. <laughs> I went to a portfolio review once in New York, uh-huh. like last year, and a rec- one of the people there asked me, "So, which is like the work like you're the least proud of, or you think it needs the most work?" Uh-huh. And I and I said, "Oh, this piece here, I just feel like it kind of looks unfinished." And she's like, "Don't ever say that in a recruiting fair. Every single piece in your book, you should be proud of." Interesting. And I like always remember that. I'm like, that's so true. So like. Whether it's six pieces, four pieces, two pieces, like only put in work that you're proud of or you think is like the best work. Uh-huh. So I'm, I am proud of – I am happy to say <laughs> I'm proud of everything in my book now. Yeah. It was a long way to get there. Yeah. I think my – a piece really special to me though is Los Angeles Times. Yeah. Just the quality of it and like writing it and, and the people I met in Guatemala. So it just holds a special place to me. Yeah. There's a – picture of a newspaper you guys made that says mm-hmm. your decisions write our stories write our stories yeah um what made you guys decide to to make like a cover page like that um it's always good a lot of times previous projects in the lab have been really great production uh-huh. high production value but that's it right you got like this two minute video mm-hmm. and it's amazing it's beautiful but that, that's it it recruiters love to see big ideas if you can make a video, which we did, we actually, I was so nervous about this. We put in a four-minute version. And I was so nervous about that because that's long. Yeah. And it's the first thing in my book. It's the top of my book. And I was so nervous because I was like, man, no one's going to watch this. Yeah. This is too long. People are just going to skip my book. But I kept it in there because I believe that it was the best version. Is the best piece. 
And people watched it and then watched it all the way through. But knowing that it was long, I was like, okay, but we got to have other executions. So there's a two minute, there's a 30 second, a six second, mm-hmm. 20 second on social, right? So you got to show that it's it can be done in other ways. Mm-hmm. And then we created the newspaper cover as another execution that could actually be placed on real newspapers, mm-hmm. get the same idea across Instagram story as well. Mm-hmm. You just want to show like whatever project you do that the idea can live in different ways. Yeah. That's funny that you say that because I assumed that all of those executions were intended from day one. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. I just like, it just seemed to like flow throughout the whole thing. I was like, yeah, like this all like works together. Yeah. We, it wasn't, I mean, we we wrote the main piece and then we kind of decided like, yeah, we need to have 20 second versions and we just focus on those decision points Mm -hmm. because it's all about decisions. Mm -hmm. For junior juniors who are getting in this week. Yeah, that's right. And the ones who got in a semester ago. What's your advice for them now? Okay, so I think junior juniors enter in like this weird like time, this void bubble where like, especially if you're coming in um, like around March, like there's not a lot happening. Like the semester is almost like over basically. I know you're like super anxious and excited to like be in the lab and work on real clients and like it's super exciting. Um, but it is kind of a weird, awkward stage. You're around a bunch of people you don't really know. I would say one piece of advice is don't be scared to come to the ad lab. I know when I first got it, it was really intimidating just like even entering those doors. It felt like you had to like have a special pass or VIP something. Yeah. Like just come in, um, like do some homework here. Like talk to people if you can. If you're introverted like me, just like kind of slowly get to know someone by sitting next to them. Come to all the ad lab meetings. Um, you're not going to have any cl- advertising classes this semester, but you will in the spring. In the spring, even though it's strategy, even if you want to be a creative, I learned a lot in that class. And I met some of my closest friends in that class in the program. I also started, I, like, I did some creative projects in the spring, too, you know, and just made, like, some fun things. So, like, try your best to make friends. It's not easy. I understand that. But just being there, being present, I think you'll naturally meet some new people. Do more than just what classes tell you to do. Um, just being in the ad lab, meeting people, asking questions. Everyone there is super nice and, and wants to like help you mm-hmm. from all levels. I was really impressed today, actually, a girl came in and she was asking, um, she's planning on applying to the program in September. Mm-hmm. But she talked to Jeff and, and like wanted to talk to some more people about like the program and getting in. Yeah. And she's like nine months ahead of schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? And like that's so impressive. And like that's definitely gonna stand out. Um talk to Pat. Uh-huh. I remember I was scared to talk to Pat. Pat is as a junior junior kind of but thing. now like I'm like, why would I ever be scared of him? Like yeah. he's the nicest, kindest guy ever. Mm-hmm. But for some reason I was like scared to show him like an idea. Yeah. And I remember like I showed him my first idea and it went really well and like he gave good feedback and I was like, Oh cool, this isn't that bad. Yeah. You know, getting to know Jeff, too. Jeff's obviously not in the the ad lab, like, the room as often as, as Pat because his office is there. Mm-hmm. But Jeff also loves to help, too, you know, and, and get on his radar. Like, get to know him. He's a very, very busy guy. Mm-hmm. He does a lot. Um, but he wants to help, you know. So just get to know him. Reach out to them. You definitely want to be on the radar because it's very easy to get lost in this program. Yeah. 
and it's all on you really yeah there's there's no one else to blame but but yourself you kind of have to like without developing an ego develop like a sense of self-worth in the ad lab hmm. like yeah i am important enough that i need to make an appointment uh, an appointment with jeff or like i am important yeah. enough that i need to like to just tell people to come into my group and like ask them to be a part of what i'm doing totally and like you because everyone is focused on their own book Mm-hmm. and like their own work because it's like very it's a very competitive program so I think it's a really good point like this whole idea of finding self-worth I will tell you this I don't think you should put your self-worth in your craft or the work as much hmm. like yes you should be proud of what you make yeah but the worth doesn't come from like that uh-huh. right if the if my worth came from everything I made man like be a lot of roller coasters just <laughs> up and down yeah um uh, you gotta put your worth more in like like your humility your work ethic your values like things like that and that'll show mm-hmm. I don't know I've always wanted to ask you like as a junior like did, have you ever felt that Ava was clicky at all like there were clicks or does it feel open it's like it's like a fluid thing because I feel clicky when I'm not putting myself out there Hmm. but when I'm putting myself out there when I'm talking to lots of people people open up and tell me whatever they want and you know if I put the effort in it doesn't feel clicky I feel like I'm involved Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm accepted I feel like it's really beneficial but as soon as I take the back seat and and decide to watch what other people do or see if other people are getting ahead of me then it feels clicky Mm. and and if, if I feel like other people should be watching out for me, like Jeff should be giving me more opportunities or something, mm-hmm. then I feel like the ad lab is pushing me away. Because you kind of, you do have to like look out for yourself, but once you start putting yourself out there, people want you to be involved. But they want people who want to be involved to be in their circles. They don't want to pull like dead weight around. So yeah. it... It's it's like a it's like a mental game I think of like playing the self worth and that's and good. I think one of my regrets is like I'm just kind of a quiet person. At least in groups, like I'm fine one on one. Like yeah. I like we can talk, but it's harder for me to like go up to a group that's already established, mm-hmm. like around one of the tables or something, and like try to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like my more introverted tendencies. Yeah, and so I wish I would have like talk to more people or just be more open like that mm-hmm. I tend to like like folks like I'm here to do this work and I like just like dial in mm-hmm. um, but it's always good like you're young and in school like work hard but also like have fun with the people around you yeah thanks Edie. yeah that's right. <laughs>